0: I think that's it. I think we have to listen to Jeff now. Everyone cheer. It's okay. Yay! Thank you, Lord, for Jeff. All right. You guys are like held hostage campers, being forced to get excited about things that you're not really excited about. (laughs) Good to see you guys. Good to see you. I feel good this morning. Anybody else feel good? Yeah, we talk a lot. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I'll hit that. Um, I still feel good, though. It's uh, it's really, I don't know, it's really easy to, you know, get up and talk about, you know, when you're not feeling good and you let everybody know about it, but it's okay to let people know you feel good, too, amen? So I feel good this morning. Um, yeah, just a little bit of a housekeeping item um, for all of you. Like, we want to be really good neighbors not just in our community but also in our little shopping center here and um and so do us a favor and when you are uh, arriving and departing church uh, at any point during the week um uh, watch your speed going through the parking lot there's a lot of i mean especially now since you know one of the gyms closed in town the the parking lot is constantly full of people and it sometimes i don't know if you're like me you can you can go through there and somebody comes out from you know, behind a car, and it's like, oh, they're they're right there all of a sudden. So just slow your row a little bit, and and uh, you know, be be respectful and, and courteous to people as as they're uh, walking. Give the pedestrians the right of way, and let's not be the church that kills people. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. All right. So okay, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. We're gonna continue on in our uh, healthy habits uh, series this week. And last week we talked about. Developing some healthy relational habits, and I got a lot of good feedback uh, this week from uh, several of you that uh, kind of embraced the challenge to reach out to somebody uh, who maybe had there had been some difficulty in relationships with over the years, and and uh, starting to hear stories of relationships being restored and really beautiful things happening. So that is awesome. I'm so excited about that. Um, what I want to talk about this morning is developing some healthy emotional habits, and and so. Like I know, like, okay, I'm not a big emotions guy. I I don't know if anybody else is not a big emotions person. Like you, you're a little bit annoyed by the fact that emotions exist, and um, you know that sort of thing. I'm just not. It's just not me. And uh, I, I'd rather kind of. I'm, I'm more of like a dragnet guy, just the facts, ma'am. And uh, you know, I I just want to get through the facts and make the right decision and. And let's just leave emotion out of this. And, but, you know, you can't live life that way. You just can't. It's not, it's not practical. It's not even the right thing to do. And, uh, and so I have to um, kind of force myself to get in touch with my, the emotion. Now, it's not that I don't have emotion. Remember uh, last week I was talking about how I discovered I was an Enneagram 5. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that too much. But one of, the, one of the things about an Enneagram 5 is that it's not that we don't feel emotions. We just have to think about how we feel about things first. Like we just have to, I've got to process it. Like if you tell me something either super exciting or super sad, you may not get a strong reaction from me at first because I got to think about how I feel about that for a little while. And then I'll come back and I'll, and I'll, I'll probably cry in private or something like that, right? You know, it's like I have emotions, it's just they're not readily available. and 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 we're all built in different ways. We're all built in different ways. And what I've learned over the years too, uh, just from you know being uh, now you know, in a marriage for twenty five years now and being in uh, you know a parent for uh, twenty three years and and pastoring churches and all that kind of stuff, just living life, what I've learned over the years is that a lot of us have some deep emotional junk kind of locked up inside of us that, are, that is controlling the way that we do life in really, oftentimes, really unhealthy ways. And so I want to I talk about that for a little bit today. Uh, several years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was now. It was seven, maybe seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Um, several of us living hopers went, to, went on a mission trip to Papua New Guinea to visit uh, the missionaries that we support, the Clausanes. And uh, their their work is deep in the bush of Papua New Guinea, and it was a it was quite an adventure. I mean, you know, multiple flights, some of them a little sketchy, and then a helicopter ride into the jungle. I mean, it was really really an adventure and everything. And uh, on the way back home, uh, if you know, Papua New Guinea is right above Australia. On the way back home, we had a really really long layover in Australia that afforded us enough time to kind of get out of the airport and uh, look around the city for a little bit, and then on Sunday morning, like our flight was taking off like uh, mid-afternoon on a Sunday. And uh, and so we thought, hey, let's get up early Sunday morning before we go to the airport and uh, attend a Hillsong service. If you guys know the Christian world at all, uh, the Hillsong Church is a very influ- influential church in, in the world, especially in the area of worship. And they do a lot of stuff like that. So we were like, let's go to one of the Hillsong churches. So we did that. and uh, But the, the problem was is that we had you know, two and a half weeks worth of baggage with us that we, we we couldn't just leave somewhere, right? And so it's like, how do you how do you go to a church? And there were six of us, and a, a, you know, our baggage took up a rather large area. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a good amount of baggage, and it's like we want to go to church, but what do we do with all this stuff? And so we we showed up at church with all of our bags, all of our suitcases, and our and our cases of supplies and all of that stuff. And uh, we were like, we're just here laying over. And we want to go to church, but we have all this stuff. And they were so accommodating. They were just like, oh, my gosh, bring all that stuff back here. And they let us pile it all in one of their offices, you know. And, and then we got to, you know, go and, and, and worship and, and experience that. And it was really a lot of fun. But, um, but I think a lot of times that we are that way in life and in our relationship with God. It's like you want to experience life. You want to experience a healthy relationship with your, with your God, but you're carrying around all this baggage. And you're like, sometimes you feel very unsure of what to do because of it. Some of you can probably look back in your past, maybe in your past just like today. I don't know who else in the room right now. But, but some of you were maybe hesitant about even walking through the doors of a church because of all the baggage that you were carrying around. Some of, you, some of you were like, I, I, I have this desire in me to get in touch with God. I feel like maybe something, God's like working in my brain a little bit. He's kind of trying to draw me into something. I'm not sure what that looks like, what that is, but I've got all this stuff. And if I go, what am I going to do with all this stuff? And the point I want to bring out today is this. Go ahead and put that up there. That you have emotional baggage, but you don't have to carry it. You, every single person in this room, every single, there's not one super like unscathed emotional person in here, right? We all have emotional baggage, every single one of us. You've got stuff, junk, uh, uh, failures, uh, abuses, wounds, whatever from your past that have emotionally scarred you, that caused you to carry around all this emotional baggage and the good news is that you don't have to carry it. And, what, and, and the other part of that story, the other part of that good news is that many of you found once you walked in the doors of this church or maybe some other church with all that emotional baggage, not sure where to put it, you found a place that was willing to go, here, let me take that from you. Go enjoy. Go, go connect with God. Go connect with God. And we, yeah, that was, see, they know. Good grief, guys. Get get with it. Come on. I'm preaching up here. So let's do So we, we got to, what I want to talk about is like how can we kind of develop, cultivate uh, some better emotional health for ourselves. Um, now, there's about a thousand pieces of advice around the topic of emotional health. And so this is not a be-all, end-all sermon uh, by any stretch of the imagination. There's lots of good advice out there that you can seek on your own. I'm just going to hit like four or five different uh, points that, that, that I've kind of pulled out of scripture today that I think uh, will be healthy. Now, your emotional baggage might look different than this list of stuff, but it, it'll at least be a good launching point, a good starting point, all right? So the first thing I want you to, to, to try to do as you're trying to cultivate good emotional health is this, feel feelings and communicate feelings. Feel feelings and communicate feelings. Now, for some of us, this is this is uh, really difficult. Uh, stereotypically, stereotypically, uh, men have a hard time feeling feelings and communicating feelings. Uh, there now that, that that's that's again a stereotype, and that there are you know there are also women who have a hard time with that too. There are also men who are very good at communicating their feelings and communicating their feelings. Whatever, but but stereotypically that that tends to be the case. I tend to kind of fall into that. I don't like talking about my feelings, and uh, I don't like even feeling my feelings. I hate that I cry so much watching TV. My wife laughs at me constantly watching TV because I'll I do the I, I I try to be subtle. You know when you were like first dating and you did the kind of subtle stretch and yawn and put the arm around the thing. You know, you know the, the thing, the wife, the the girlfriend, <laughs> the you know whatever. And so like. <laughs> I did I, know, I did a double date with a guy in in uh, high school once that did, that did that we were sitting in a at a restaurant like booths across from each other and he did the you know stretch and put his and he jacked the girl with his elbow right in the eye it was the I and I laughed for like 10 minutes I could not stop I like ruined his date but it was worth it because it was the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life and so anyway uh, it, so that I had lost my train of thought now so Oh, yeah, so the stretchy. yeah, so, yeah, we are, like, I'm sitting in, in the house watching TV often, and I get emotional, I get sucked into these shows, or, or even sports, I cry at sports, like, I am just, like, 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 there, to me, you've heard me say it before, there is nothing in this world more romantic than baseball, like, I, there, a good baseball game plays out, and that, that is romance to the, to the highest degree, I love it so much, right? And so there, but there are times I'll get just a little, just a little, not like a full-on bawling, snotting cry, but just a little, just a little right here. Doesn't even drip. Doesn't even come down. Just, just right, just enough right here that I'm, you know, Jamie will kind of out of the corner of her eye. She's looking. I know she's looking at me all the time. She drives me nuts. She's looking at me. She's waiting, just waiting to pounce, and she'll see me kind of go up and give it that right there, and she's like, you're crying, aren't you? Whatever. Your mom cries, so... Anyway, so yeah, it it, it it it's that sort of thing. I don't I don't like I don't like feeling the emotions. I don't like you know uh, talking about them. I'd rather people just figure out what emotion I have and just deal with it on their own. And uh, but but <laughs> but life just doesn't work that way. And what I've learned, what I have learned this over the years, is that one of the best things that you can do is allow yourself to feel emotions and allow yourself to communicate to people the emotions. That you have. Because guess what? You are, guys especially, you are going to feel an emotion and you are going to communicate an emotion. But when you don't feel it properly and communicating it properly, the one you end up communicating is anger, frustration. You know, what, what, was a, what was a hurt will turn into an anger because you've got to talk about it. And, uh, and, and, and a rage, maybe, because it just, you, you just get out of control, and you feel out of control, and fearful, and everything else, and whatever, and it's just, that's just an unhealthy way to deal with your stuff, right? I want you to look at this Psalm, Psalm 55, verses uh, 1 through 3. Uh, David says this, Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me, and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. Because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. I love this. I love this. You can read the rest of the psalm on your own. We're going to read a little bit more of it later. But I love this idea where David just out of the gate is like, I'm feeling like garbage, God. Like I am, I'm distraught. I hate the way I feel. And then he very quickly turns to why he's feeling the way he's feeling. Because I'm just, like, my, my enemies are surrounding me. They're getting the best of me right now. Is someone getting the best, the best? Fighters. All right, so anyway. Uh, but yeah, they, it is like just getting the best of him. And when we as people can, can just do that very, very simple thing, to communicate how I'm feeling and then to communicate why. Feel those feelings, communicate those feelings. It, it is such a... It's such a lifesaver in terms of if you're a person, you know, that you tend to rage at people or get angry or frustrated at people or just walk away or however it is you handle, you know, your your garbage. Like just developing this simple habit of talking, you don't have to go into a long spiel, just just talk briefly. I'm feeling this way, I'm, I'm down, I'm whatever. And this is why, this thing's getting to me. Especially if you're talking to a family member or a close friend, and you know, say a prayer for me if, if you think about it, I'm, I'm struggling with this, and I know this is the reason why, and, and it might even be stupid. You may know it's stupid saying it out loud, right? How many times have you felt emotions around something that you know is stupid? It's your issue, it's nobody else's issue, yeah, there's five stupid people in the room with me, and so... So yeah, we do that. Like, like, and so to be able to just name that and go, I know this is wrong thinking. I know it's just, it doesn't even make sense. I'm just feeling this and whatever, I'll get over it, but just pray for me. And if I jump down your throat, that's why, try to show me a little grace, whatever. To just be able to have some conversation like that is, can be really revolutionary in a relationship. And, and uh, so I really encourage you to kind of develop that muscle. Look at the next one. The next one is this. See others... With empathy and compassion. See other people with empathy and compassion. Kind of develop the ability. One of the the most unhealthy groups of people are the people who are so locked into their own worlds, their own problems, their own issues, that all they see is themselves. They are woe is me people all the time, and they can never see the hurt around them because they're so laser focused on themselves. The selfish way to live life, and they, a lot of times you guys know these people, they don't even know they're selfish at times, but they, but they are, they're just, all they can see is like right, what's right in front of their face, what's, what's immediately affecting them, and when you can develop the ability to really see other people, like really notice them, how many times do you pass somebody at school, at work, maybe even at church, maybe even inside your own home? You just walk past somebody, and you can tell. Like we, These brains work really well most of the time. And one of the things our brains do really well is reading faces. You can read a face so quickly, and, when, and especially if you begin to learn to kind of study faces a little bit better. and, and that's, a, that's a skill you can hone even more. But most of us, unskilled, selfish people, can look at a face and pretty quickly determine the mood that that person is in. And when you pass people at work, at school, at church, at home, wherever, and, when, and, you, and you see somebody that is obviously, like, just, you just seem, they don't have the same face they normally have. There's something a little off. Maybe it's, maybe it's distraught. I, I, I was in a, a store the other day, and one of the workers in the store, a uh, really, really sweet uh, lady, was uh, helping me. And, uh, and she needed to go back to the back and get something and come back and, and you know, finish up with our interaction. And so she did that. When she comes back, she she was obviously a different person. I, I mean, I could tell like she had been wiping tears out of her eyes, and she was she was upset, and and, and this was a sweet, bubbly, bubbly lady, right? And uh, and so she's like she's like she's trying to hold it together and talk to me, and she puts on a big smile, and you know she she she, she starts telling me you know what we were talking to me about what we were dealing with, and I was like, stop for just a second. Um, what happened between? you know, three minutes ago, and right now, you, something has obviously happened, and she said, no, it's nothing, it's nothing, don't worry, she try, tries to go back into it, and I was like, no, it's not nothing, I can tell it's not nothing, right, is there anything I can, you know, help you with, or whatever, and she's like, no, it was just an issue with a coworker, and I'll be fine, and I, and I just took the time, which is very uncharacteristic of me, <laughs> but I just took the time to go, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you, and I think you're awesome at what you do, And uh, I hope you have a better day, which just made her cry even more, right? And so when and so, right? Like no, I'm just teasing. So no, you know. But but it, it, it was just a moment where I didn't have to. You know, I could have been my typical selfish self. You know, walking in and out of situations like that, just kind of thinking about, thinking about getting my list of tasks done or whatever. But just taking the moment to kind of see a person, see a person, have a little empathy because I, you know, she was obviously a lovely person and. And I hated that she was hurting so much. And just to say, hey, have a better day. You're awesome. Like, that, just that little, that was, that was an interaction with a stranger. Think how much more powerful it can be with somebody you know and love, right? Somebody that you could actually have a conversation with. And so, you know, Romans says this, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And then in Galatians, Paul also says, carry each other's burdens. And in, the, in this way, you'll, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Right? We're called as Christ followers to actually see each other, to not blow past each other. To, when you see somebody is just a little bit off, like, like you can just tell something's not quite right, that, that something's troubling them. Take a moment, take a breath, take a moment and go, hey, it seems like something's off. Is, is there anything going on that I can help with, or you know, however you want to approach that? But just to do this, there have been times, uh, uh, even at church, even at church on a Sunday morning, because you know it's Sunday, Sunday morning, and and uh, those of us who are on staff, you know, we're we're kind of rushing around, making making sure everything's set and ready, and 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 doing all that kind of stuff. And it's really easy to kind of blow past people, and 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 I know I do that to some of you, and forgive me when I do it. But but there have been times walking around even at church on a Sunday morning where I. And, you know, I need to get from here to that room or something really quickly and I'm, I'm walking past and I come past somebody that I can tell there's a tear in their eye, there's something, there's something off with them, there's something wrong and I just keep walking past and the Holy Spirit usually pretty quickly grabs a hold of my heart and is like, ah, you saw that, you saw that, I know you saw that, <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit does with me what I, what I do with my kids where it's like they blow over a piece of trash laying on the floor it's like, I know you saw that! right? Go back and pick that up. And so I, the Holy Spirit does that to me, and I'm like, okay, I'll go back, I'll go back. And so I chase somebody down, and I'm like, hey, are you okay? Let's talk. And, you know, but, but when you see somebody, when you have empathy for them, really, really great things can happen. That's where I think the majority of our ministry opportunities come from, just us noticing someone and allowing the Holy Spirit to use us to do something about it. It may, may not be anything big. It might just be a word of encouragement, but that's kingdom stuff right there. The third thing I want to talk about in cultivating emotional health is this. Break free from self-destructive patterns. A lot of us, because of the emotional baggage that we have, we have developed these really self-destructive behaviors. And Sometimes it's, it's really obvious stuff. It could be substance abuse. It could be just a pattern of unhealthy relationships or whatever. But sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes it's the, it's the habits of the way that you speak to yourself. The things that you tell yourself, the, the negative voices that you allow to go on inside your head, tearing you down or whatever. And and we need to break free of all of that stuff that that we could kind of objectively look at and go, this is just bondage in my life. This is just this is just uh, you know the enemy trying to keep me enslaved to to fear or to whatever, to whatever, right? Ephesians chapter four. Paul says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you catch that last part? You have been called to put on a new self that is created to be like God in Righteousness and holiness now we're all living hopers in here, and so, by virtue of that, most of us have a hard time describing ourselves as righteous and or holy, right like 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 we we, we tend to be that that kind of flawed group of people that it's hard for us to see ourselves as super Christians. It's hard for us to see ourselves as uh, you know, uh, per- perfect the way that God sees us as perfect or righteous or holy the way that God sees us as righteous and holy, and it's hard for us to get our minds around that, but make no mistake about it that when you embrace life in Christ, you put away the old self. You put away all that old self-talk. You put away all those old self-destructive behaviors. You put all that away, and you put on a new self, a new you that God has declared Righteous, that God has declared holy, holy. There's something different about you now. And I want to encourage you to like step into that new skin and learn to feel comfortable in that new skin. Not because of anything you've done, not because you got your life all figured out and you're so much better than everybody else around you, not not anything like that. Just because God has declared that upon you. Not because of anything you did but because God has declared that upon you. A year or so ago, a little over a year now, uh, we adopted our fifth child, a little girl by the name of Jordan. She's, she's awesome, spunky as all get out, and um, love that girl to death. But Jordan's a Jordan's Myers now. Jordan is a Myers, not just in, on a legal document, but she's a Myers. She has learned to embrace her place in our family as a Myers, And it's not because of anything that she's done. It's not because of any of that. It's because because her mom and I decided that we would embrace her into our family because a judge in Woodland declared that upon her one day. And she is learning to step into that new skin and embrace her role and under a little bit of a different identity now, right? It's the same thing that happens when we're adopted, as Paul puts it oftentimes, that when we're adopted into the family of God. It may feel uncomfortable at first. It may feel like you, you still, you're still trying to hang on to that old skin. You're still trying to t- hang on to those old habits. Learn to live in that new skin. Learn to what it means to live as a child of God, a citizen of his kingdom. Learn that. All right, so I want to, this last one. This last one is a tricky one because, well, let me just read it. Okay, it's discover how your past impacts your present. I think this is a really healthy thing that you can do. Discover how your past impacts your present. And this is the thing I've learned about emotional baggage over the years is that stuff that has happened to me in my past does have an impact on how I behave right now. It does. It has an impact, like how I saw my mom and dad communicate with each other has an impact on how I communicate with my own wife. How I saw my parent's uh, parent has an impact on the way that I parent. Now, the impact might be that I'm trying to do it differently, uh, or the impact might be that I'm repeating the same patterns or whatever, but it does have some sort of an impact. The, the failures I've experienced in my life previously have an impact on my will- willingness to try new things now. The, the types of relationships uh, I've had, you know, on and on, you could, you could list on and on. The wounds, the abuses I've experienced in my past have an impact on the way I do life now and what, I'm, what I feel empathy for, what I'm closed off to, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Now, when, when we talk about something like this, it's really easy to kind of, point to whatever, modern therapy, tactics, modern psychology, whatever, and, and go, you know, all, all they're do, do, trying to do is get you to, you know, blame your mom for everything, and, and, and that's not what I'm talking about here. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, my mom is, is guilty of a lot of things, by the way, uh, I'm just <laughs> but here's the thing. My, my parents, my, my failures, my uh, abuses, whatever I've experienced in my past from all kinds of different people in my life, all that garbage from my past that I tend to carry with me forward in my life, it absolutely has an impact on who I am right now. But God is the God of my future. God is the God of my future. God doesn't, as we talked about earlier about the baggage, you don't have to carry that baggage. I I have the ability to make a decision to set that baggage aside and make different choices, create a different legacy, Educate myself in different ways so that I can make better, you know, outcomes for my life. Whatever the case may be, I am responsible uh, uh, for the choices I make moving forward. God is the caller and the creator and the maker of my destiny moving forward. It is not; uh, I'm not locked into the patterns of my past. And one of the most beautiful things that I see, one, I think it's one of the things that that attracts me to church life and church ministry more than anything else is when you see a person I've seen I've seen this happen so many times like in the youth group uh, in our in our teen ministry where a teen from a comes from a family that for generations back had no relationship with the Lord totally unchurched totally uninterested maybe complete unbelievers whatever else and somehow they get drawn into a a youth group, or something like that, or meet a Christian kid at school, and and they get, they feel the Holy Spirit begin to churn something up inside of them, and draw them into a relationship with Christ, and then before you know it, they've given their life to Christ, they're being baptized, they become even a leader in their youth group, or whatever that looks like, and their parents begin to notice, and their siblings begin to notice, and, and suddenly they're bringing their family, and their close friends to church with them, and more and more of those people, and this One person who had a mountain of past baggage that they could have pinned everything on makes a decision and moves in a different direction and changes their legacy. Changes their legacy. That, I'll give my life to that work, man. I will give my life to that work. That is amazing when that happens. Amazing. But there is this thing where Our past does give it. Let me give you a couple examples from Scripture. One of them is kind of a weird example, but it's there, so we'll read it. Exodus 20, we're talking through, uh, this is one of the Ten Commandments. I think it's like the second commandment. Uh, It says this, You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Listen to this punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, that sounds harsh and judgy and all that kind of stuff, and we're like, why, that's not fair to those kids. And, but but I, think it's more, I think it's more descriptive of just what we know happens. You guys know, I've, I've talked to some of you about it. Just in, with families, even within our own town, where you see kids following after the same patterns that their parents have established, and it just replicates itself over and over and over. And you think, this is what I want you all to get a hold of, really, especially those of you in the room that are, that are young, and you think that you can just do whatever you want to do, and it makes no difference because you're young, and you've got to hold your whole life ahead. Of, the decisions that you make right now will have an impact on you years from now, and they'll have an impact on the generations that follow you just the way life works. It's not God being, you know, you know zapping all of us for screwing up. Or, it's just the way life works in general. That, that Life works that way. But when you establish a legacy of Jesus Christ, it is also a legacy that has a tendency to last for generations, right? Beautiful. Paul uh, puts it this way in 2 Timothy, and he's talking to Timothy in the opening of his letter. He says this, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. He's like Jamie, looking for tears. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Look at those. Listen to this. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Like that legacy of Christ is something that oftentimes gets beautifully passed from generation to generation, and that's the kind of legacy that we want to live. But do a little thinking, do a little, I'm not, I'm not telling you to start blaming all of your problems on your past. I'm just saying, be aware of how your past has influenced your present, and with that knowledge, you can begin to make new decisions. You can begin to set your life up in a different way, and that's a really beautiful thing that you can do, all right? Now, let's talk a little bit about some potential new habits that we could choose moving forward. Because this is all about creating healthy habits, right? So in terms of, like, improving your emotional health and some healthy habits that you might want to choose, the first one is this. Try to practice vulnerability and be open with the people that you love. Like, allow yourself to be vulnerable once in a while. Like, just share openly about how you feel. I know some of you feel like, ah, if I show, you know, you've been trained as a kid or, you know, maybe whatever, as, as you've been trained that if you show any weakness, people will take advantage of your weakness, you know. But allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable and just to share. Even if, it, even if it feels, you know, ridiculous or just something you've got to continue to squash down and squash down, and it'll be okay, it'll be okay. But you guys know as well as, as I do, you squash down those emotions long enough and eventually they reach a, a boiling point and they come out anyway, right? So deal with them in a healthy way. Allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable and, uh, and especially with the people that you love, open up with them. Second one is this, find an accountability partner. Find an accountability partner, especially when you're, when you're trying to create new habits and new patterns in your life and leave behind some of the old ones. Find somebody, a partner, a prayer partner, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ who will, who will hold you, who you can be completely honest with, that you totally trust, that you know won't judge you, but who will hold you accountable, who will call you on your own crap, who will go, who will listen to you and, and, uh, and encourage you when that's appropriate, who will listen to you and chastise you a little bit when that's appropriate, right? Somebody that you know that everything they say to you, they're saying out of love, right? Find that person and, uh, and really dig in uh, with that person. It is so helpful. The third one that you might choose in terms of creating some new habits is this. Identify a harmful family legacy and change it. Change it. We all have some harmful family legacies that we can look at. Maybe you've got a legacy of abuse in your family. And you're going to set yourself up to change that. Maybe you've got a, a legacy of, of uh, rage. You know, just communication that never happens quietly. Communication is always just yelling and fighting or whatever else. I'm going to I'm going to change that. I'm going to I'm going to set myself up to do something. Maybe, maybe you've got a, a, a family legacy of, of racism. I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to change it. I'm going to make sure my kids don't grow up with that kind of influence, whatever that looks like. But look at a harmful family legacy that you have and begin to make some changes around that. And then the last one I want to encourage you is, is this. Maybe your your habit that you embrace today is this. You quiet your soul through prayer and through Sabbath. Quiet your soul through prayer and Sabbath. When a lot of times we are just, we're just turned up inside, churned up inside emotionally and We feel out of control, we feel frantic, we feel anxious, all that kind of stuff. And when you can find some time in your life to really quiet things down. We live in this super busy world, super busy. And it is go, 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 go. It is media here, media there. It's, you know, we're walking around with, you know. Devices in our ears that, are, you know, that we use to communicate but that are constantly feeding us information. You're, you know, you're listening to music, you're listening to podcasts, you're doing all that kind of stuff. Whatever the case may be, I mean, you're just constantly, the noise never stops. It never stops. And I've found one of the healthiest things that I can do is carve out moments of my life just to get quiet. It's, it's un- can I tell you it's uncomfortable at first? <laughs> it's uncomfortable at first. When you have been constantly, 24-7, bombarded, some of you guys sleep with the noise going, right? You're just bombarded by it constantly, and when, you, when it finally does get quiet, you start feeling like you're going to come out of your skin. It's like, oh, i got to turn something on, i got to you know, do something, i got to yell at somebody, whatever, you know, you just kind of get quiet and let it be uncomfortable for a little bit. Eventually you'll kind of settle in. Some good communication will start happening between you and God. Those prayerful moments are just awesome like that. Awesome. But They don't come naturally. The natural thing is just to clutter and busy your life. Unclutter it. Get it quiet. Spend some time with God. Spend some time listening to God. Allow Him to speak to your soul. Start practicing some Sabbath rituals. Some Sabbath. Now, now, in the old days, Sabbath was, you know, uh, traditionally it was a Saturday that you would kind of take the day off and everything was shut down. You'd spend time with your family. You'd spend time worshiping, you, but everything was shut down. A lot of faithful Jewish people still practice that today, as as New Testament Christians. Who are living under grace and not under the law? There is no obligation of Sabbath on our lives, but it's still a really healthy thing to practice. Still a really healthy thing to practice. For me, I've carved out a day of the week that's that's my Sabbath, and I try as best I can to not let things encroach on that and to really kind of take, you know, kind of step away and get myself recharged. For some of you, because of your schedules and your family commitments and things like that, that right now to Think about taking a whole day where you do that. Might feel a little like hopeless, like you don't feel like you can do that. Maybe it looks like you carve out three or four hours, just some place where you kind of get off by yourself. Maybe it's taking a walk. I know some of you like to run and things like that. That you get out. That's your time with God. But whatever that looks like, get some time away, shut out everything else around you, and quiet your soul. What I've what I've learned is that. My Sabbath is, is Friday. This is where I try to kind of disengage from church life, because it's my job, right? Just try to disengage from that, the church work, I should say, and um, just connect with God and recharge and all of that. But you know what I found is that on that day when, when my soul quiets down, oftentimes that's when I hear the most from God about what, where the, the direction that the church needs to go. So it's like even when I'm unplugging from it, God is downloading into me plans for it. And the same thing happens with our lives too, man. When When you quiet yourself, when you get prayerful, when you start practicing Sabbath, whatever it looks like for you, God is able to download into you his love for you, like his genuine love for you, how much he loves you and he cares for you and embraces you and accepts you. He downloads into you direction for your life. All of this stuff comes in. But when our lives are noisy and cluttered, um, sometimes the voice of God gets drowned out. And what I've learned is that eventually the voice of God comes through, but if I have not given him space to talk to me, he usually has to yell at me to get my attention. I've always said that, you know, if you're dealing with a sin problem in your life that kind of is recurring and, you know, you need to break that habit or whatever, the Holy Spirit usually, almost always, just comes to us quietly. Just comes to us quietly in our hearts and our heads, and he's just, he's just trying to steer us back in the right direction, right? Quiet, He's good like that. But if we ignore that voice or shudder it for long enough, God begins to scream to get our attention and where he wanted to pull you out of this sinful, harmful habit gently and in a way that looked like a loving father and good discipling and all that kind of stuff, he might have to get our attention through embarrassment, through, oh, now you got caught instead of coming to it on your own, right? And, like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to give God the opportunity to speak to me, and say the things that he needs to say to me. Because I know that's the key to my emotional health. I really do. Now, I'm not, by the way, before we, I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up, but I'm not necessarily talking about, um, like, serious clinical mental health issues. But like, and I think, I think they are, they can be connected in some ways. But I'm just talking about our general emotional health. I feel like we can all feel emotionally more healthy if we do some of these things. That psalm that we started off reading at the beginning of the service, where he so clearly states how he's feeling and the reason that he's feeling it, he uh, closes out that psalm and he says this, uh, starting with verse 16. As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Listen to this. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous. I want to say forsaken, but that's not what it says. He says shaken. I love that. Anybody else feel like you're kind of shaking all the time? He will never let the righteous be shaken. God is the calmer of our spirits. He brings peace to troubled waters if we give him the opportunity and the space to do that. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a healthy habit. I want to cultivate a lot more in my life. And so let's just do that. Let's commit to doing that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you that you are the God of peace. You're the God of comfort. You're the God of uh, confidence and courage and faith. You are not the author of fear, but of a sound mind, a sound mind. And so, God, help us to turn over all the baggage that we carry around with you and lay it at your feet and let you tend to it for a while while we enjoy your presence and the presence of those that you place in our life. And um, so God, my prayer for Living Hope this morning is that you would quiet our souls. Quiet our souls. And I pray that you would continue to whisper in our ears and that We would give you the space so that we could hear you. Lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go. And we will forever give you the praise. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. All right. Hey, come back next week. Next week's going to be a really good week. We're going to talk about developing some uh, physical, healthy physical habits. uh, Because believe it or not, our physical bodies and our physical health is tied very closely to the, the way the, the patterns of life that God has given us, too. Phil's going to lead us in that next week. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from him. So come back next week. All right, take care.